Welcome to Tarang, a community of teachers and students from various wellness backgrounds sharing their journey and their experiences. Our guest this week is Cynthia Roberto Piasta. Cindy, to all her friends, grew up in New York studying occupational therapy and traveling across the country as a traveling therapist. It's her traveling job that eventually brought her to Asheville, where she deepened her yoga practice studying yoga therapeutics, yin, meditation, and became a certified yoga for cancer teacher. Cindy works on building community through groups like Asheville Runners and by teaching yoga for cancer classes. She also works as an oncology rehab lymphedema therapist, partnering with people as they go through the many emotional, physical, and functional changes. She hopes to assist in the vision of making wellness accessible to all. Welcome to our podcast on Tarang Cindy. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so glad you could tell us your story. So let me start about asking you about growing up in New York. Yes, yeah, so um, I was born in Queens, New York, and I grew up in a multi-generational home, which I think at that time, um, at least in Queens, is pretty common. So my grandmother and grandpa lived on the um, top floor. My uncle and, aunt and their family were in the middle floor and we were in the basement. So to say we were pretty close-knit, I think would be like a bit of an understatement. Um, and so when I was probably still a baby, um, my parents decided to move us out to the suburbs. I think they just wanted, you know, more opportunity in terms of like school and organized sports and things like that. So I had that whole world, but every weekend we'd still go back to Queens and um, still have this very like traditional, culturally rich experience there with that family with you know all the adults hanging on the stoop and talking and playing cards and the kids playing in the streets and you know Sunday family dinner um and then on my mom's side so my mom is um Puerto Rican so she moved back and forth to Puerto Rico her whole life and she had family in uh Spanish Harlem so then we'd also go up there and have you know um this very lively, um, fun-loving, vibrant um, family that was there. So I feel really grateful looking back at living and growing up in New York because I kind of had all these different experiences and exposures to all these different ways of living and, um, you know, museums and parks and all these other things that came with New York. Um, so yeah, it was a pretty, pretty fun little time to grow up. <laughs> Yeah, very, very typical of what life would be in India too, you know, just kind of being with family and of course, two cultures that you were bringing together. So that must have been pretty great. Yeah, it, it really was. It was nice. Yeah. <laughs> so would you like to tell us about being in school and being bullied? Yeah, um, I, so in both the Italian Puerto Rican culture, food is really important. And, you know, they oftentimes will show love through food. So um, needless to say, there was a lot of food and a lot of love. Um, and so, um, you know, it was just a lot of rich food. So pastas and, 
you know, rice and beans and empanadas and all these foods that, um, and I've always had a, a big appetite. So um, needless to say, by the time I was in third, fourth grade, I was probably about a size 16 women. Um, and if you can imagine trying to find clothes for like a four foot size 16 fourth grader was not very easy. Um, so I never was in like really the coolest of clothes. Oftentimes, um, you know, my, my mom would just, the only place you could find to shop from was Burlington Co-Factory. So I oftentimes wore like 80s power suits, which for any listeners who maybe are younger or don't know what that is, that's like a thing, you know, it was like the big shoulder pads and like the big lapels and <laughs> So, so needless to say, I looked like I was going in for like a job interview into fourth grade every day. Um, that and, you know, I had glasses and um, early on I was diagnosed with a learning disability. So I was being pulled in and out of class, um, which the kids took notice of as well. So it was just all these different things that I think just kind of made me a little bit of an easy target. And, you know, I think especially back then, and I would say it's something that as a society we can still work on now, is, um, you know, just really teaching kids that, you know, all body types are beautiful and um, that no body type should ever be equated with, um, you know, healthy or not healthy. Um, so with that, I think that there was at that time a lot of um, negative feelings towards, you know, anyone that was like myself who was, you know, overweight. And, um, and so, yeah, there was a lot of physical, a lot of emotional abuse, um, which was hard, you know, um, went on for a while. But it's interesting because when I look back at it, um, as, as horrible as it was, um, I think that first off, I think that it kind of um, installed, instilled in me a little bit of a sense of um, the fact that, you know, words matter and, um, you know, kindness can go a very long way. Um, and then looking back, I think it also just showed me that, um, especially as I started to practice more and more yoga and feel more of a connection with people, I think that it made me realize that I just had so much compassion for a lot of those kids who bullied me. Um, you know, I, I think about the fact that they had so much anger and all these big feelings and maybe in their house, that's how they handled it with like hitting and calling names and, and whatnot. So, you know, I, I always try to keep that perspective as far as, you know, the fact that um, maybe these kids were going through a lot and I was just kind of a, I was just there and an easy target for them. So um yeah, that's, that's kind of where I've gotten to today with it, um, with, you know, just some work on my own self to get back some self-love and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially at that age and, uh, you know, just to have to deal with that. And, and I love how you kind of are compassionate about thinking about them and what their upbringing must have been. So that kind of just shows, you know, the kindness in your heart, too. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's always a lot of that, you know, people are sometimes going through things and um, we just have to, I think, be aware of the fact that it's not always easy time for people and that might not bring, bring out the best of them. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, now, uh, to the kids and even honestly adults that are face facing bullying because of weight, 
can you share how in school this one teacher really helped you gain confidence and help you realize the power of exercise? Yeah, um, so that's Miss Mills. Um, and she, um, she never actually talked to me about exercise. What she, it was never, you know, about weight or anything like that. What she did was she um, just helped me build confidence. And she also made me realize that I was capable of facilitating change in things in my life. Um, so the first thing was that she was just this really like strong, kind person. And I think she was led by example in that way. I wanted to emulate that. I wanted to be that. Um, and that was the first thing. Um, the second thing about her, I'd say, is that she always just told me that I could do it. Um, I had a, a tendency to kind of feel like I couldn't do it or because of my learning disability, I would use that as, you know, sometimes an easy out to doing things. Um, and she was always just right there holding me accountable, telling me, no, no, you can do it. Come on. Um, and that was, that was big. And um, I think the last thing that was really um, big about her was just the fact that she would make me do hard things. Um, and I think that's imperative to growth is like putting yourself out there and doing things that may be under that might be um, not in your comfort zone or might feel like almost impossible. Um, so one example um, that I can speak to as far as that goes was she could pick anyone in the class to do the Pledge of Allegiance in front of everyone during assembly and she picked me. Now, at that time, like if you looked me in the eye, I would crumble. I was so shy. So the idea of like standing in front of the whole school for anything was like horrifying for me, right? Um, and so I remember the first time she put me up there to practice just in front of my classmates and I got there and I like bawled. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I just totally fell apart. So she worked with me on it and we practiced and practiced and um, I did it. And so, you know, there's a lot of those aha moments of like, oh, all right, I am, I'm capable of, of doing this. And I think that as I started to see like my grades get better and, you know, those things changed, I realized that I could change other things um, and started to realize like, hey, you know what, I, I can't keep up with the kids when we're playing sports and, um, I don't really feel like I have a lot of energy. So that then trickled into, well, let me see if I can make some changes there. Um, and I just started to exercise. I um, had my mom that year for Christmas. She, they would give us one Christmas gift every year. That was like a big gift. And so I asked for a stepper. So um, in the eighties, you know, there, as far as workout equipment goes, it was like this super low budget little stepper. And I'd get on it and again for like, you know, 30 minutes or whatever. And it was hilarious because it was super like old and hydraulic uh, was the way it was like set up. So, and if you actually tipped in either direction, um, the whole thing would flip over on you. So <laughs> my parents constantly were like hearing this like eh, 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 with the hydraulics and then they'd hear me like eat it and fall over. So I, I'm pretty sure they regretted that gift. Um, but, you know, it was just, it was um, the first thing that I can remember where I 
took some action and you know next thing that followed was I knew like I didn't really know what I was doing but I said okay I'll stop drinking soda and make these little changes and I started to see changes in my body and in my energy and um that was just I guess the big tipping point as far as me becoming involved in my own health and you know overall just wellness mm -hmm. yeah how lucky to have met that great teacher right the oh, right yeah. influence I wish I always wish I could just kind of ever just let her know you know just the impact that she had I mean mm -hmm. teachers are amazing they they can absolutely and they do absolutely change people's lives and Miss Mills was was that person for me without a doubt mm -hmm. yeah yeah um, now I know you uh, volunteered at a camp uh, and was a were a camp counselor so can you share your experience that led you to pursue healthcare later on yeah, so um, even before Camp Anchor, I would say that the first thing that led me um, down that road was um, my dad had polio as a child, so he um, would always tell us stories that um, the reason he walked was because of my Aunt Janet. Um, my Aunt Janet is my grandmother's sister, and she was a military nurse, so when my dad contracted polio, she um, just worked with him to, you know, stop the muscles from atrophying. And she worked with him and she put him in braces and just did all these really innovative techniques. And because of that, you know, he credits that to why he was able to walk. Um, and I think that that had an impact in realizing, you know, the power that medicine and, and just caring really um, could have. Um, and then fast forward ninth grade, um, my friends and I are trying to figure out what to do for the summer. And we decide that we're going to work at this camp um, called Camp Anchor, and it's a camp for people with disabilities. So I would really love to say because like we were really good altruistic people, but that's a total lie. Um, we did it because it was on the beach and I would do anything to be on the beach. And um, there was like, you know, cute volunteer boys. And so we said, okay. Um, so fast forward eight or nine years later, and I went from volunteer to camp counselor to a group leader. And um, I don't even know if it dawned on me as I was working there, but looking back, I was always um, amazed by the fact that the camp provided a place of acceptance, inclusion, accessibility, all these things that um, a lot of the campers didn't have throughout the year. And they'd go to this camp and they felt like they had, um, you know, a community. Um, they felt like they had all these experiences that were, um, you know, things that weren't hard to provide. Um, you know, a lot of the campers had never been on the beach and, you know, you get some PVC piping and some big wheels and all of a sudden these people are able to experience, you know, sand in their toes and um, you put a ramp or a lift in a pool and, you know, people are able to get into the pool and enjoy it. Um, you set up a dance class where there's an option to sit or an option to stand and, you know, everyone's involved. Um, so. I think down the road, I realized that there was something very special about that and very important about that. And um, I think that was something that was really what drove me into the field I'm into in today. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, just to have that experience early on and just to see the impact of um, and all, all the little things that they couldn't experience that you guys as counselors and uh, being at the camp really helped them achieve. Yeah. And it, it was just great. It was a, it was a you know, it's just a great group of people. And um, oh, yeah, wonderful experience, like you said. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, by this time, now you've moved on to college. Were you running before that? And did going to college get you into running? Yeah, so I ran a little bit through high school um, and then got into college and realized I had a lot of like free time. Um, so I became a bit of a gym rat, you know, I go just all the time at the gym. And one of the girls who I went go to the gym with was into running. So she really is the one who got me into running. And so we did little races here and there. And then senior year, she was like, let's do a marathon, you know, and I didn't actually think that running 26 miles was feasible. Um, but I signed up anyway. And, um, we did the Pittsburgh marathon um, and it was just unbelievable. You know, like you're running through this huge city as a college student that you, you know, say you've never been to and um, all these random strangers are cheering you on. Um, And I'm a football fan. So at the end they finished going around the Steelers stadium and so we're on the big Megatron. So like the whole thing was just completely surreal and um and just the accomplishment right like of just being like oh i did this so i think after that i was kind of hooked that was it i I knew running would be kind of in my life Mm -hmm. so was that a very hilly marathon in pittsburgh there was some hills there were some good ones i mean i don't know i don't know now that i live in Asheville (laughs) if if they would be considered hilly but at the time they felt pretty hilly (laughs) (laughs) yeah So now um, in grad school, is that when you got into yoga? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I don't think I got into it, I would say a traditional way. Um, what really happened was um, I was going to, to grad school full-time and I was working full-time um, between different restaurants and bars. So I'd go to grad school all day, take the train home, go to the bar, work till four in the morning, clean up, get on the train, sleep 45 minutes, back to school. Um, And so I still enjoyed working out, but I didn't have the energy to actually, you know, do really heavy workouts. And um, where I went to school, I went to school at NYU, which was down in the West Village. And people who don't know that area, it's very, um, it's just a very cool eclectic kind of area of the city. And there was a good amount of gyms and yoga studios and things like that. So I really got into it as just a way to get in a little bit of a workout and then to have a place to fall asleep for, you know, 10, 15 minutes during Savasana. Um, so it, it became a bit of a, you know, either a refuge or a place of rest um, for me. And then I'd get up refreshed and continue on. So. Um, yeah, that it was kind of just like a way that I figured out to just get a little rest during the day. (laughs) Yeah. So now what, what did you study when you were at grad school? Uh, that's when I went for occupational therapy. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now is that what led you to be, um, 
become a traveling nurse or did you work in a place for a while before deciding to travel? Yeah, so I worked um, for a while at a outpatient clinic on the island and um, what ended up getting me into travel therapy was the fact that I was working full time and I was still kind of carrying on with this crazy life of, you know, bartending and I was living in Long Beach, which is like this really young, fun beach town with lots of like partying. And so I got a little out of control between partying and working. And, you know, I had my best friend and my sister that both were like, calling me up being like, you need to change your game right now. It's not healthy. It's not sustainable. Um, and I think I kind of noticed that myself. So I waited till my lease was up. I packed up and took off and I ended up in um, San Francisco, lived there and worked in Oakland. Um, then I went to Palm Springs, South Lake Tahoe, Asheville, Wilmington, North Carolina, Charlotte, Greenville, back to Asheville. Wow. Wow. What was that like? I mean, how did you, did you like traveling, being in different places or... Yeah, I loved it. Um, so it was quite a change. Um, you know, I went from being constantly surrounded by people and friends and um, things to do. And all of a sudden I was put in all these places where I didn't know anyone. And um, it really was wonderful. It kind of gave me an opportunity to get to know myself, um, you know, because I was bringing myself out to dinners and bringing myself to movies and all these, you know, places. So um, I got a chance to um, quiet things a little bit in my head and just kind of take in all these amazing, beautiful places. Um, and while I was doing that, um, I was running a lot. So, you know, just exploring all these places um, through that. And um, I also had the opportunity to practice a lot of yoga. Um, you know, I was traveling all these places and all these places had different studios with all these different types of lineages. And um, it was really nice to see, um, you know, what I was typically doing was like a hot 26 or a hatha. And then all of a sudden I was, you know, exposed to all these other types um, of practices. So that was a really um, cool takeaway as well. Mm -hmm. Wow, what a fun, fun experience that you've had traveling around. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, there, it's a beautiful country once you get out there and start really, you know, getting across it. And it's, it varies so much and just, you know, topography and everything. So it was uh, something I'm, I'm really happy that I did. I think that was, uh, you know, it led me to Asheville, led me to where I'm at today. Mm -hmm. Right time, right place. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so Cindy, you mentioned earlier that your travels that took you around the country as a therapist, uh, you passed through Asheville at the time. So what made you decide to kind of call Asheville home to kind of be here? And then what led you to start a run group here in Asheville? Yeah. Um, I think Asheville just became home um, because I, I had traveled all these different places and um, ended up in Asheville really randomly um, with my job. And I moved away 
and I always thought that I lived by the beach because that's where I grew up. And I was at the beach and I had this feeling that I wanted to get back to Asheville. And so I did. And then I moved away two more times and I kept on having this feeling that I wanted to come back to Asheville. So, um, and when I came back you know, the second time, um, I just started to develop this whole close-knit friend group and um, really fell in love with the people, the outdoors. Um, it just provided this real place of comfort for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then uh, I know you said in your travels before that you had uh, done run groups there. So what made you um, kind of pursue that here in Asheville? So I did my, um, when I first moved here, I was running by myself. I had no clue where I was going. I had no one to run with. So I did a couple of running groups and realized that I was completely out of my league. Um, you know, the groups were really competitive and I was not. Um, so then when I moved away, I was in Charlotte and they had this running group that started from a brewery and they post directions beforehand and you run and come back and then everyone would hang out afterwards. And mind you, at this point, I was a couple of years doing traveling therapy. So the idea of having this group of people that I could hang out with and that I, you know, would start to do stuff with outside of just the running group um, was huge. It was, you know, a really, um, I think it's something that at that point, at that point I was really craving. Um, so when I came back to Asheville, I realized that there still wasn't anything that felt like that to me. So uh, that was about, I guess, June, 2013. Um, and I just said, okay, well, I guess I'll just start it myself. And that's how Asheville Runners came, uh, came about. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's what we love about the group. And I know you put in a lot of work to kind of have the running map and route all planned out. And I love that um, there's no judgment. It's a non-judgmental group, right? You can run at your own pace and everybody's super supportive. Um, so tell our listeners if they're new to Asheville or want to get into your run group, what can they expect when they come and join in? Right, so um, you sign up on Meetup. And on that meetup page, there's directions. Um, in the past, we have some uh, amazing members that would print out the directions and laminate that and all that stuff. But um, in COVID world, it's a little bit different. So what we're doing is we're posting directions beforehand and just asking that people print it out for themselves or um, write it down for themselves. And then we Tuesday nights are big run. That's our Tuesday brews day, as we've labeled it. Um, and we meet outside of the brewery um, and get everyone together, um, get a head count, find out if anyone's new. And then we all take off together and you know you can run with people, you can run by yourself. Um, when you get back, we if you're new, we make sure that you obviously make it back. Um, and then afterwards, um, if you wanna hang out, we do a socially distant masks required um, hangout thing after that. Um, we have limited the group. Um, so there's only so many people that can RSVP. And because of that, we wanted to make sure everyone who has participated in the group all these years um, have the ability to join. So we actually started a Thursday group as well. 
Um, so that way, you know, everyone has that opportunity. Um, and just come. It's like I said, it's and like you said, it's, it's a really nice group of people. Um, we've had a lot of people who um, have come out that are first time runners. We have a lot of people who are these, you know, elite runners um, and wherever you're at is perfect. And uh, afterwards, we just have a really good time together. So, um, you know, we've had a lot of friendships that have developed from the group, a couple of marriages. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really the people who I've been fortunate enough to come across in this group that, that make the group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know when we moved to Asheville, we definitely, that's the group that led us to our friends that we have right now. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know over the years you studied yoga and you tried different classes during your travels. Um, can you tell us how you kind of pursued it more in Asheville and how it helped you personally and also to help your patients and clients? Mm -hmm. um, so when I, um, at the time I was living in Nashville and I was running a lot, I was doing a lot of racing and I would frequently uh, get injured or, you know, I, I wasn't doing the right things with stretching and whatnot. And whenever I would, um, I would go ahead and end up in back in yoga and doing lots of yoga classes and rehab myself. And um, there came a point where I said, oh, wouldn't this be great if I could, you know, bring this to um, my patients. And that was the mindset I had when I joined my 200 hour training. Um, and lo and behold, I got into the training and realized that there was all these other limbs, sides, whatever you want to say of yoga. Uh, you know, I really just practiced the asana part and I knew that there was a deeper part of it, but that wasn't my focus. Um, so I signed up for this 200 hour and I'm now all of a sudden confronted with myself and all these things that maybe I wasn't um, really letting myself um, deal with. And I was very I'd say um, uncomfortable and even a little agitated, I guess, through my first 200 hour because I was just going through this huge, um, you know, kind of, as they say, unveiling of um, these different parts of me. Um, and so finished the 200 hour. And at that point, I felt like by the time I had finished, I had really gotten to a place where um, I was trying to, you know, live more um, with yoga in my life. Um, so then I decided to go for the 300 hour um, more as just a student of yoga. I wanted to deepen my practice. Um, and so I went into that and had these amazing teachers at Asheville, um, that was at Asheville Yoga Center. And um, deepened my practice um, and got really into all these other types of yoga um, that I never thought that I would enjoy as much. Um, and um, with that ended up, I think not doing what I had originally set out to do, 
um, which was, you know, teach my patients yoga. Um, but I think that the other parts of yoga is what I really brought into my practice. Um, I found that I was more present. Um, I was able to listen better. I was able to connect more. Um, and I was able to not just focus on what that person had on their referral to me, you know, what their diagnosis was. I was looking at them more from a, a, a whole person, whole body, physical, spirit, emotional um, being. And when I started doing that, I just had such a better connection. And I found that I was actually working towards their goals and maybe not the goals that I thought I should be working on for them. Um, and it was just a complete game changer in the way that I, I went about things. Um, I still enjoy working with someone using some pranayama for pain relief. And I still enjoy when people, um, you know, are wanting to get back to the asana part and, um, you know, helping them to work through some modifications um, so that the poses can be more accessible to them. But um, I think that that's probably um, a very small part of how yoga has really changed my life and changed um, the way I approach my career. Mm -hmm. And especially with your background, it's so nice to have that uh, balance of yoga and bring both that knowledge and both those studies to your patients and to you personally too, like you said. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And there's these days, it's, it's an exciting time because there's a lot of, um, I think, deeper understanding of the benefits of yoga. And there's some of the science that is coming behind that. Um, so it's, for someone who enjoys like the science part of it, it's been a really fun thing to see that connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, can you tell our listeners about uh, uh, the yoga for cancer classes that you offer and your work as an oncology uh, therapist? Yeah. So I had gotten certified in yoga for cancer and I was teaching those classes before COVID. Um, I am not those classes are on hold right now, um, but I do refer people to either um, Yoga for Cancer has a website and they have free classes um, or Journey to be Free is a local um, nonprofit that also does some online classes right now. And then there's tons of amazing um, yoga instructors in Asheville. And there's some that are, um, you know, very mindful about, um, you know, working with people with um, different, um, maybe, you know, needs or, or considerations. Um, so I'll refer to them. Um, and so that's, um, you know, where I'm at right now with, with teaching yoga. And then I also um, probably about eight years ago became a lymphedema therapist. And and um, have just fallen in love with that. It's just this um, kind of, at least in Western culture and Western medicine, a really misunderstood, under, under kind of educated um, system as far as like in schools. Um, and so 
I think a lot of people are left in a place of like frustration or they don't feel like they're being heard um, with, you know, the issues that they're having. Um, so I've really had a chance to connect with a lot of people and, and um, you know, help work with some of the needs that they're having um, because of their lymphedema. Um, and so I think probably about the time that I had really gotten into yoga and began to understand about, you know, um, making this deeper connection that I realized I was focused a lot on the fact that either an arm was swollen, a leg was swollen, working on just reducing that swelling. And what I was missing, especially for my oncology population was that they were saying, great, my arm's not as swollen, but I also can't walk because I have this peripheral neuropathy and I'm falling all the time or I don't feel strong enough to pick up my grandbabies or um, you know I'm dealing with this chronic fatigue after my treatments and you know I can't get back to the things that I enjoy so when I realized I was missing this whole other picture um, that's when I went in to become an oncology rehab therapist and so um, we we as a, you know, where I've been working, have been working to um, really try to meet all these different needs that come from um, both cancer and then the side effects of the treatment, which can be, you know, everything from, um, you know, physical changes, emotional, psychological, um, and functional. So mm -hmm. we try to kind of approach it all around. And um, I would say that I do recognize that there is a, um, that I have a bit of a, you know, scope of practice and that a lot of stuff is not within that practice. So, um, you know, I would kind of call out to a lot of the listeners that if, um, you know, you are in wellness and you do have some training with people um, who are going through cancer, um, I would love to actually hear from them um, because, you know, we need nutritionists and we need um, psychologists and counselors and we need um, just people who are into wellness, you know, so when we finish up, they can continue um, working with people. So that's definitely um, something that I would love to collaborate and kind of grow a little community around. Mm -hmm. Create that continued community support uh, during and after as well. Yes, yes, because I mean, I can say firsthand just from my, my different clients that, you know, um, that they feel better and they do better when they are working with, you know, both the Western and the Eastern medicine. Um, you know, I can tell you how many people who I see um, tell me all the benefits of, of acupuncture while they're going through these treatments and things like that. So yeah, I think that's, that's hugely important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And just to not kind of end their uh, rehab in your office, you know, that they, that they have that support going on. That's wonderful. Yep. Mm -hmm. Wow, Sidi, you're doing some amazing things. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I know you've had quite the life journey and we can go on really talking for a while more. Uh, but um, as we kind of wrap up our podcast, we always like to ask all our podcast guests, 
what their personal yoga practice looks like. So what's your favorite yoga pose and why do you like to practice it? All right. So um, my practice, um, I have a home practice that I do um, with two kids and work and um, life being a little bit crazy right now. Um, you know, it's a lot of drop in the buckets. Um, so hoping that, you know, all that adds to adds to something more um but you know i'll get my mat and just kind of go through a little a little session um and just trying to use um meditation both on the mat and off the mat uh mindfulness on the mat and off the mat um and really working on just a self-practice of continuing to try to be kind to myself and to be grateful for everything around and then uh you know just trying to set that outward um mm -hmm. so that's that's pretty much my practice and um then i also um have been just trying to hone in on some of these awesome classes um it's not in person but you know online um i just took a nice little training this last weekend with shayla and you know you just have these amazing instructors in town so very fortunate and trying to fit those in here and there because um that's always always good stuff um as far as poses go uh, my favorites kind of uh, i don't think a lot of people would agree with me on this one i love camel pose mm -hmm. um it's I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that maybe, like I said, I started in like that hot 26 world. So that was a part of it. Um, but I think the biggest thing is I just feel really strong in that pose. You know, it's a big chest opener and you're just open and you're vulnerable. And um, I think I just feel really confident in that pose. So um, I just really, I love that pose. I don't know. <laughs> I know a lot of people think it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> and especially with you running, it must be a nice squat and a kind of shin to foot stretch with your back arch there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It gets, it gets all that good stuff, the hip flexors, all of it. So, yeah, that is... <laughs> That does the job. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Cindy, for coming on our podcast. And thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find Cindy on Tuesdays at her run group. And on Facebook, you can find it under Asheville Runners. Thank you again, Cindy. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was an honor. Thank you.